When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I'm your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, and it is time for part two of my interview with my University of Missouri Journalism School classmate. He graduated. I did not. I have eight hours left. I might do it. Um, I might not. I feel like I promised my, uh, my late grandmother that I would graduate. And so that, that's really the only reason why I would, I would knock out those eight credit hours. Um, but maybe I will, I don't know. It's, it's, who knows? Maybe, maybe me and my son can graduate together. It'd be a wonderful thing, uh, in 18 years, 22 years, whatever. It's probably not going to happen. But uh, Gabe was my classmate at the University of Missouri, and I and as we talk about uh, in part one, we go through a lot of Missouri athletics, a lot of Quinn Snyder stuff, uh, which is what the people wanted to hear about, and then also kind of the different factions among the Missouri fan base. So if you missed that, that's just the previous uh, interview episode. We always have questions from the audience every Wednesday and the Pick 6 podcast with our gambling picks every Thursday. Um, but uh, our interviews, uh, they go up on Sunday night, Monday mornings. And, uh, and we've had a new interview uh, every week since we started the podcast in October of 2017. And for many of you Missouri fans, you would want to go back on InsideSTL.com and see the first episode. And it is a very long-form interview with Gary Pankel. We've had some really good stuff on here. And uh, I'm grateful to our producers for the work they've put in to bring the guests on. And I'm very grateful to our sponsors because without them, we don't have a podcast. So if the time ever comes where the sponsors go, yep, I'm out, I'd go, oh, okay, well, that was a nice run. Um, but they make it possible. So if you are a fan of the podcast and we have seen our listenership increase substantially year over year, then please, the way you can support it is by either advertising yourself or by supporting the sponsors. Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com if you want to advertise. Uh, and you know there's a following now. But Ryan Kelly has been on board from the very beginning, and that was a spec play on his part. He just knew that uh, our audience supported him on the radio, and he thought maybe that would happen with the podcast, and that's what's happening. So... Make sure that if you're buying a home or if you're refinancing a home, you're going to thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly is his name, and he is the studio sponsors on this presentation, the studio sponsor on this presentation, and uh, somebody that, you know, like when my sister bought uh, my condo that I had been living in forever, uh, and then I then I rented it out for a number of years, and she bought it a couple years ago, said, okay, I just need to go find somebody to do the mortgage. I go, no, you don't. I go, here's the person. And then on top of it, we had like, something had to happen where it was like a rush situation. And Ryan and his staff turned it around. It's just so efficiently. I mean, there really is a difference. I mean, you've seen so many places come and go and his place isn't just 
uh, now a staple in St. Louis. He's growing the business. He's just a really impressive person. He's a good person, and um, and that's why I, it's it's like not even a sweat. It's it's the homeloanexpert.com. That's where you go. You don't even need to think about it. If if you're going to be refinancing, if you're going to be buying a home, that's where you're going. You're going to the homeloanexpert.com, uh, and he's our studio sponsor here on the program. So, so we decided to go part two uh, with Gabe. Candidly, as I said in part one, if this were like the middle of the year, we probably wouldn't have gone two parts although it is definitely a long interview and it kind of does play like two different podcasts, but we've had, uh, uh, I guess at this point, close to 75 straight weeks of new guests minus the two parter we did with young page views, but young page views and I went close to three hours. Um, so that's why we broke that one up, but, uh, it's the holiday week. At least that's when this one is dropping. And so, uh, we're giving ourselves a bit of a break, but we're still giving you new content. Uh, by breaking this up into two parts. And the first part, as I said, was kind of about, you know, it was certainly about Quinn Snyder. It was about recent Missouri athletic history, um, Gabe's perspective on Missouri fan expectations, the factions of Missouri. We certainly disagreed on some parts of that. And now this part is kind of the, 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 for a lot of you who, of course, didn't go to the University of Missouri, you might be completely unaware of or only aware of this Kansas City, St. Louis thing because of those of us who went to Missouri and maybe hearing us talk about it on on the show. But Pete and I were talking before I, uh, I started uh, rambling here and he said, and Pete's a few years younger than me. And he said, I had no idea about the Missouri uh, or the, excuse me, the Kansas city, St. Louis thing until I got to school and he went there starting in 99 and what was going on then the Rams were on their tear. And so it drove chiefs fans up the wall that this team that wasn't even in the state five years beforehand was now winning the Super Bowl, while they, most of them, of course, their parents might have seen the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but, you know, had had all these heartbreaks in the 1990s, a lot of near misses, a lot of great regular seasons and heartbreak in the in the AFC playoffs. Um, and so here the Rams are out of nowhere, and then not only are they the Super Bowl champions, but they do it like in the most incredibly exciting, I mean, all three of those playoff games. Uh, against the Vikings and against the Buccaneers and then the Super Bowl itself against the Titans. But then also during the regular season, it was just like, you know, I mean, it was absurd. It didn't have the duration of the 70s Steelers or 70s Cowboys, or the 80s 49ers or the 90s Cowboys. But as far as a short-term burst of energy in the NFL, 99 through 2001, or if you want to include 2003, the Rams, it's up there. So that in Pete's mind is what it was. But I got there in 94 and... No one was even thinking about St. Louis football. If anything, it was the way that Kansas City fans would go, well, how's your football team doing? And you go, I don't know. I don't know. Why are you, why are you mad? Like, what's, what, where is this coming from? And my theory is, but I don't know. Like Gabe said, he didn't know anything about it. He's coming from the Kansas City side um, until he got to the University of Missouri. And he's like, yeah, it was the St. Louis people. And, and I, here, here's all I know. I know in St. Louis, minus the fact that the the St. Louis Cardinals were playing the Kansas City Royals, up until I arrived in August of 1994 in Columbia, Missouri, I just didn't think anything about Kansas City. Just like I didn't think anything about like Nashville or Chicago even, because like the, one of the Kansas City insult lines is, "Oh, you guys just want to be like Chicago," and it's like, no, we trust me, we're we're looking in the mirror right now. We know we're not even close to Chicago. We're we're fending off Des Moines right now. So that whole thing is a false narrative. So I don't know what it's about. My theory is this. 
the, the, the Kansas City World Series championship, of course, coming against the Cardinals, I would, I would think, I don't know, maybe I'm missing an obvious one, but I would think it's the most controversial World Series ending um, because of the Dankinger call. And, and maybe maybe people are like, dude, how can you forget about this one? And if I'm missing it, I'm missing it. I apologize. It's certainly one of the most controversial endings. So it's the one World Championship the Royals have. It happens to come against the, 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 the team that's you know got history four hours across the state, certainly has a fan base that, that kind of, I think, might remind some Kansas City area Missouri fans who are also Royals fans of Nebraska fans. Uh, because there's just like this inherent arrogance about the success of the team. Um, so may, that's how they justify it anyway. And then, but the, the one world championship came, you know, and if the shoe were on the other foot, I would imagine Royals fans would be going batshit that the Cardinals won because of a blown call at first base. And then what Royals fans is, yeah, but what out game seven? Well, I mean, I've sat with guys who were on the 85 team. Ozzie Smith was in here a couple months ago. And he's like, yeah, I mean, we knew you know, after game six, that we weren't going to win game seven. And part of it was, and I'm sure he wishes he had it back, but Whitey Herzog kind of came in and said, well, that's that, essentially. I mean, we're, we're screwed for game seven. And then you saw how game seven played out. And I also realized most of you weren't alive for game seven, but it was like, I don't know, it was like 50 to nothing or something like that. And it was a debacle. And I think Dankinger was behind home plate, which is really messed up. He was behind home game? He was behind yeah, I mean, he was, he was, he, I don't know, either way, it was a mess. And the Cardinals certainly could have handled the thing better. But, you know, I think that's what it's about. I'm not here to relitigate 1985. You get in with Royals fans, you're like, yeah, but Orta wound up being forced out at third base. And you're like, yeah, but they had to throw to third base, third base, because he was on base, whereas the play would have gone to first base. But the Cardinals fumble fucked around with, you know, Jack Clark and Daryl Porter on foul ball and, wild pitches or pass balls. I don't know. Either way, the premise being the one world championship Kansas City had with the Royals was uh, the byproduct of a blown call for better or for worse. You know, so like, for example, um, you know, still 20 years later, Brett Hull will talk about he can rarely get interviewed without being asked about his skate being in the crease. Uh with the, the Sabres fans uh, who insist that that game against the Dallas Stars, the 99 Stanley Cup final, uh, should not have, have ended there with the goal because the whole skate was in the crease and it shouldn't have been allowed. So I'm sure for some Stars fans, if they're caring about it, although I would imagine they're probably more focused on the Cowboys, but either way, that that kind of is an irritant. So if you have that going on, that your one championship is called into question with its legitimacy. You can see how that would be irritating. So my theory is the root of this goes back to the 85 World Series. Now, if there was a Kansas City-St. Louis thing pre-1985, I, I, at this point now, I have no idea what it would be about. I have no clue. Like, I don't know if there's a Cincinnati-Cleveland thing. I am aware there's a San Francisco-LA thing. But I remember being out in L.A. and I was doing live shots during the Cardinals and Dodgers. I guess that was the NLDS in 04. And, like, my photographer was a Los Angeles guy. And uh, something was going on between the Dodgers and Giants, even though the Dodgers were, uh, you know, still playing. The Giants were done. And I said, yeah, I guess these San Francisco people just really don't care for L.A. He goes, yeah, they're kind of jealous. He goes, we think it, we think they're kind of cute. But I'm like, San Francisco is a world-class city. L.A. is the second biggest market in the country, you know. Uh, as Gabe will say here in a matter of moments, 
you know, it, when it gets down to it outside of the state of Missouri, no one gives a damn about this. Um, and I don't even really know how many people give a damn about it as it is. My and I'm not looking to like again, as you'll hear, it's not like I'm like, well, why are you so mad? I I'm trying to figure out what caused it. Like I'm truly I was curious about this in 1994 when I got to school there. It was really weird to me. Like the like in my time there, the Cardinals played the Braves in the NLCS and like how actively the Kansas City guys were cheering for the Braves. Just like what in the world? And uh, and I remember the night of I think it was Game Seven of the NLCS where Donovan Osborne sweat a lot, um, and I go up to Willie's, which is uh, still there and on Broadway next to Fieldhouse, because I'm like, okay, well, watch it at a bar. Didn't have the greatest feeling because the Cardinals were up three one in the series, and now it's it's Game Seven and it's Tom Glavin against Donovan Osborne, and you don't have to be a wizard to have an idea of how that was going to play. And I don't believe Donovan Osborne made it out of the first inning because Tom Glavin of all people got a triple on him. Um, which meant Tom Glavin hit in the first inning. And we go in there, and the Chiefs were also playing on Monday Night Football, and there was a near riot when the Chiefs fans were like, you got to be kidding me. You want to watch Game 7 of the NLCS over the Monday Night Chiefs game? And I just remember being like in awe, like, wow, this is Game 7 of the NLCS, and this is an October regular season football game, and the anger seemed to be much deeper rooted than the, and I'm just like, okay, I think it's, I think we got to get out of here. So we wound up just watching it back at somebody's place. Odd things. I don't know, but I'm sure the Kansas city people listening are going, yeah, but you have no idea how obnoxious Cardinal fans can be. And I go, actually, I kind of do, but the Cardinal fans at that time didn't really have a whole lot to be obnoxious about. It's not like the Cardinals had done jack shit for a while. So I don't really know what it's all about. And that's what I was trying to work through with Gabe. Um, and then we also go into our time at the University of Missouri Journalism School. Gabe happened to be the producer of my very first sports cast, which nearly ended my career. And uh, how oblivious I was to the crap I was saying on the air. I mean, you know, I guess I, 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 it's I have a weird memory. I can still, I could probably still remember like almost all of the sports cast, which is really weird. I mean, it was just so like, if I were to do that now, even like somewhat established, you know, 20 years and four months later, I guess is what it would be. Cause it was in September of 1998. I would be fired on the spot for the stuff I was saying. Now it's a different time. I still don't think anything that I said was wrong. But I also am well aware that the, the that that the bar has moved for what you can say, especially on local TV. Uh, I would be fired on the spot. I mean, I, and it's like there could be five different things that I said that I would be fired on the spot for. Again, I don't think I'm wrong, but I just know that the, the what is acceptable and what is not has moved, unfortunately, in the wrong direction for my money uh, since 1998. But. Either way, Gabe was the producer, and we have, uh, and then we talked about our time at, at KOMU and uh, Columbia, which is where, you know, a lot of people who you see on network news, on ESPN, it legitimately is a great journalism school. I'm not sure it's the greatest career that I would recommend to people. Uh, you, it certainly can work out, but, um, you know, it's like talking to somebody in high school basketball made the varsity team and saying, all right, well, you want to play in the NBA? Okay, but just realize that there are a lot of people who want to play in the NBA and, you know, you, the odds are against you. And unlike the NBA, where statistics and talent will certainly get you there if you put up the numbers in broadcasting, I mean, it's it's a guessing game and it's right time, right place, 
and oftentimes a certain kind of, you know, whatever that they're they're looking for, uh, a certain kind of style that they could be looking for, whatever the case might be. Uh, and if you're not it, then tough luck because you're up against God only knows how many people for that one job, which also means that you have very little leverage in negotiations unless you actually have a materially impact to the materially impact to the bottom line. Uh, and in local TV, considering they basically instruct you to be teleprompter reading robots, that it's very difficult to uh, set yourself apart, which is why I'm pro radio and pro podcast. I don't know how many pro local TV people there are anymore anyway. But in 1998, Gabe and I didn't know our asses from holes in the ground. And so that's what we were doing with ourselves, thinking that we were going to uh, to do huge things. And then the business kind of, you know, the bottom fell out. But it still doesn't change that we it was the funnest time of my career. And Gabe was along for it. And so that's what we get into here. It's Gabe DeArmond, part two. He's presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. All right. You, you mentioned St. Louis and Kansas City. I, I'm from St. Louis. You're from Kansas City. Um and, and people wanted to discuss it. I wanted to discuss it even if people didn't want me to discuss it because I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. To get the Kansas City perspective, especially when you, uh, you know, at the very, I don't know exactly what your role is at Power Mizzou, um, so I don't want to call it. Or, <laughs> I don't want to say you're the owner of it because I don't know. Maybe you are the owner. Publisher. I, okay, publisher. That's wonderful. That's an easier term to remember. Publisher of Power Mizzou. So you see the St. Louis, Kansas City thing go on. Now, I say this, and I'm curious if you experienced the same thing or if it were different for you. I had no idea, and I know I've told you this before, I had no idea that there was some animosity from some Kansas Cityans um, towards St. Louis until I got to the University of Missouri. I truly had— Same. Okay, okay all right, all right. Same. Well, all right, that's good. That's good that it, it wasn't going on then. And I and I don't know what, and I don't really know what it was about, and then people would theorize this it, and t- tell me just tell me that that, that uh, the Cardinals um, were, were not good. I mean, the Cardinals were not good from 1988 all the way up until 1996, and and we got there in 1994. St. Louis had no football team when we got there, and then the Rams were horrible uh, when they did get to St. Louis. Hockey, for as much as some people care about it in St. Louis, and that number certainly has grown much larger since we were there, and it was in the process of growing in part because of Brett Hull in the 1990s in St. Louis. It's not, I don't think it's something the Kansas Cityans were like, God, we got to get a hockey team, and it bothered Kansas Cityans. I think it bothered St. Louisans, and they didn't have a football team. We're being honest about it. So I never really, I never, and, and when the Cardinals lost to the Royals, I didn't think of it from a can. I just didn't even think about it. Like, oh, that's Kansas City. I just thought, oh my God, the yeah. Cardinals lost, and this was a horrific way for a team to lose. So I was completely unaware of it. Now I'm, now I'm aware of it. But here's the thing: I also think over the last couple of years, it's dissipated, and I think part of that is because St. Louis at this moment is trending down, even though I would buy stock in it, in part because it is at a lower value, and Kansas City's trending up, and then also because the Royals have won a World Series. Those are my theories as to what has transpired since. The floor is yours, sir. I always preface this conversation by saying this. Outside of the state of Missouri, there are like maybe eight people in America who give one fuck about St. Louis or Kansas City. Like, I mean, neither city matters nationally. It just it doesn't. It's, it's flyover country. Like, that's a real thing. You know, like I said, people don't know that Kansas City is actually, like, the good parts of it are in Missouri. <laughs> the Chiefs Stadium, the Royal Stadium, that's in Missouri, you know. But um, so 
like this is a, a completely only uh, a, a thing that's a thing in this state. Um, and, and I think it does hurt. I, I think it hurts Mizzou. Um, no question. Like, like you, I, I didn't know. I didn't have any feelings for St. Louis before I went to Mizzou. I had no idea. My mom grew up there. I had friends that grew up there. It was fine. You know, and I still think St. Louis is fine. Um, you know, I mean, I lived in Kansas City. That's cool. But I think largely it's a baseball thing. And it, to go back to the discussion we were having, Missouri football is never going to be Alabama, right? Missouri basketball is never going to be Kansas basketball. So the Royals are never going to be the Cardinals. The Cardinals had like an 80-year head start. I mean, I don't know when the Cardinals even started, but I would assume about an 80-year head start because the Royals started in 1969. Yeah, I think actually ballpark, that's about right. Yeah, so... St. Louis perfectos. Yeah, I'm fine with... Yes, like it, it becomes the argument of... You know, and this is people get really mad when you make this comparison, but it's the same argument. Uh, Missouri would beat Kansas in basketball, and it would be this big thing. And the Kansas attitude was, well, we have however many national titles, and it's your Super Bowl. We don't care. And so on the rare occasion, the Royals would have a good year, and it didn't happen for a long time. But in 2014 and 15, when they got there, there were a lot of St. Louis fans who go, cool, you only have eight more to catch us. Well, but that's not what, like, they're not winning eight more World Series before I die. They're never going to be the St. Louis Cardinals as a franchise. I'm personally fine with that. Like, I get it. Hey, the Cardinals are the second or third most storied franchise in baseball history, depending on where you put the Dodgers. So that's who, by the way, haven't won a World Series and now longer than the Royals went without winning a World Series. But, I, you know, I, I think it's largely a baseball thing. And I think for most people, like I've always – I know people who will not eat at certain restaurants or shop at stores because they are owned by KU people. I just – I don't look at life through that lens. Like I don't want to be friends with only people who like all the same things I do. That's boring. I, I mean there were guys in my wedding who are huge KU fans. That's fun. What, what fun is it for MUKU to play in basketball if I have nobody to give shit to if MU wins? That, that's not fun. I, I'm not just going to call my friends that are MU fans and go, hey, man, let's go talk about how they just won. Like, it's more fun to call the Kansas fan and give them shit about it. So do you, but I mean, the, 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 so, the baseball thing, though, I mean, because this was going on, as we acknowledge, 1994 is when we both got to Columbia. So it was going on before, like, because the Cardinals, like I said, I mean, you know, the reality is, is the Cardinals were real. Now, I don't remember this. I mean, I was barely alive. The Cardinals were horrible in the 70s. I think the Royals actually were good in the 70s. Beats again. The Royals beats, were great. Yeah. The, the Royals. 86 to 85, they were the second best franchise in baseball. Okay. Shows what I know. And they were in the uh, ALCS in another year before they played the Cardinals. I don't know if it was 83. You probably know 83, 84 or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They made the, the World Series in 80, the ALCS in 84, and. The, and then uh, the World Series in World 85. Series. Okay, all right. And then uh, then there were these series with the Yankees That's in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So my, my point is I don't know if it was like our, like the people maybe 10 to 20 years older than us who got it going in part because of I don't know. 1985. I don't know. I don't know. But I, my, my point is it's not like the Cardinals were killing it in 1994. It's not like obviously the Royals were killing it at the time. It's not like the Rams and Chiefs or even the football Cardinals and Chiefs had some kind of rivalry. And in Kansas City, I don't think they were really locked in on the St. Louis Blues hockey team, so I, I just didn't understand what was what was going on. 
to get it there. And then now you talk to people who, you know, like, like I'll have people go, oh, my God, it's so real that there are people who are Blackhawks fans in Kansas City just because they want to have a team to root against. When the Blues are playing, I'm like, really? That really goes there on? There are? I, it I beats the hell out of me. When I was up there for uh, for an event for a parents' weekend for Joe Strauss's daughter, that the, the Blues were playing the Blackhawks in the playoffs, and I saw all these Blackhawks jersey, and I go, "Oh my God, is this is this Kansas City fans?" Like, and then people go, "No, now now Mizzou has like a billion students from Chicago, and so they really are yeah. Blackhawks fans." I go, "Oh, that that was not the case when I was there. It was basically everybody yeah. was from the state of Missouri, minus at the journalism school." And it just. It... You know, I, I think it's a little bit overblown, honestly. Like, I, I don't know. Um, I, it, it It's kind of weird. Um, I don't. Well, I don't think anybody from St. Louis would really be puffing their chest up right now, if we're, if we're being honest about it. I mean, it hadn't been a good five years here. So I think people are looking more introspectively at this moment than running around. And even if the Cardinals won a World Series, I mean, that would be great for Cardinal fans. But then to like, oh, you know, I mean. You know, you lose your football team, you have Ferguson, you have this bizarre MLS vote, a couple not bizarre, but just the way the whole thing was handled was bizarre, and now perhaps an MLS team. You know, crime issues, Kansas City is experiencing a great resurgence. Uh, I think St. Louis is attempting to model itself after Kansas City, whereas I think people felt it was the other way around for a while. So I can't imagine it's going on at the level that it was maybe 20 years ago. I don't know. But I just wanted to know what the root of the whole thing was because I, I never I have no idea. And honestly, like, look, I, I, I have an affinity for Kansas City. I lived there for, you know, 18 years. I grew up there, all that. But I, outside of barbecue, name one thing that Kansas City has going that anybody cares about. Hmm. Nothing. It's nothing. You don't know anything about Kansas City, nor should you. It's fine. It's a good place to grow up. I liked it. Whatever. You know, I'm not. I don't care how my high school did in football games. I, whatever. Oh, now you're taking a shot. Now you're taking Patrick a shot. Patrick Mahomes is Jesus, and I'm glad he's in our city. But you're in love with him, and I like. Well, I like watching your Twitter feed. I like watching him play usually because I have him rostered on my DraftKings 300 rosters. What do you want to see more, Colonel? Do you want to see more a Royals World Championship or a Chiefs Super Bowl? I assume it's Chiefs. I assume. It, it's Chiefs now. Because, because you got to I see the Royals, Royals thing. Royals. But before 2015, yeah. would it have been Royals? Oh, Royals, without question. Really? Even though you'd already seen one I mean, in your I life? Grew up, my, my dad wrote for the Kansas City Star. He covered the 1980 World Series. Uh, my parents insist I was good at math as a kid because I learned how to figure out batting averages and ERAs and all that. Um, and that's that's where my math skills came from. Uh, you, no, I, huge. And the Chiefs were garbage the entire time. I mean, the employees of the Kansas City Star used to get free season tickets to the Chiefs, and my parents never went to a game. Wow. I mean, it was that bad. Free so this is the 1980s, right? They were terrible off. in the 80s. Yeah, 72 to 86, they never went to the playoffs. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, they were, they were garbage. So, they, like, the – I grew up, I listened to the Chiefs games on the radio because they were never on TV. Blackout rules? Yeah, yeah, they never sold out any games. I guess, so, and, yeah. and I think about it, I take myself back to the football Cardinals, and granted, I was single digits uh, age-wise, but yeah, it was like a big deal if they were on TV because they just wouldn't sell out. Well, yeah, by far, pre-2015, it would have been a Royals world. Right. Now, now it's a, a Chiefs. And, you know, like, and this is, kind of an interesting I don't know how you feel about this I, I am less of a sports fan now than I've ever been in my life like I, I mean I like watching the Chiefs and all that but I don't set my day around it it doesn't I it doesn't like wreck my day like the Titans lost in the playoffs last year I was just like 
I, I didn't even watch the last six minutes. I'm like, yeah, it's over. I got to go pick my kid up. We're good. And it, like, it didn't wreck the night, anything like that. But I'm a little bit bigger Royals and Chiefs fan because covering Mizzou takes the fandom out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just, I'm not a fan. You just can't be. It's work. It's a weird I, deal. You can I, be, but you can't be good at it. I was in, I was, because you, you know how it works covering events. I was in the, I don't even know what you would call it, the hallway of the Superdome as Vinatieri's ball went through the uprights to beat the Rams in uh, February of 2002. And for whatever reason, because I was there, what not only was, I think if you asked St. Louisans, what as far as on the field or on the ice or on the court, what is the worst moment of their lives, sports fan-wise, I, I assume that would be it for the vast majority, right. even though it might be tough to say a Rams answer in a positive way, as in you cared about them 16 years ago. Um, but because I was there, it didn't resonate with me as much as people who were right. either in the stands or who were who were watching it. The, the one I always go back to, the, the Norfolk State game for Mizzou, I, got, uh, I, I can't tell you how many texts I got that night while I was writing that uh, – Oh man, this sucks. This must be terrible. I'm sorry you're there. And I just said, I don't know. My story's on the front page of Yahoo Sports. I just saved two nights hotel, and I'm about to go get a beer. Like I'm all right, guys. Like <laughs> this is my job. It's not. I don't get emotionally invested in this. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I don't know. I you know I have a young son, and I don't know if like seeing him and your kids are older. So I don't know if like he's say he's seven or eight years old and the Cardinals or blues lost some game or, you know, Missouri or whatever the case might be. And he's heartbroken. Then maybe I care because of him, but I don't, I don't know if I can get to that. That's the thing. I, when you do, there's two things to it. I think th- we're both in this camp, you as publisher of power, And then also being in a spot that I've been in with operating businesses, radio stations specifically, where in part, in a very low way, it's it's in the public eye. And so you realize, because I've had to do it, there are things going on, but you can't say exactly what's going on because you're managing a business. Right. And, you, and you can, but then people will be like, oh, my God, you just, you just you know, just went, out and you took information outside of the room, as they say in the hockey world, right. and made it public. So, you know, your job as a leader is to, to, to you know, say, I, when it fails, and we, when we succeed and fall on the sword, and that's the nature of the beast. And so I now know that that's what these coaches are doing. I know when I'm watching a game and then I watch the post-game press conference and or even a one-on-one interview, I know that I don't know everything. And so, therefore, it's impossible right. for me to get on social media or on my radio show or on my podcast and, like, lay into somebody when I don't know everything. I don't know. And, and so it, it kind of and- disconnects me from from some fans who are so pissed off at times because I right. know that there's something going on that I don't know. And, and people think, when, when you say you're not a fan, when I say I'm not a fan, A, people don't believe me. But people also take that to mean you don't root. No, look, I want Missouri to win every game. You know why? Because that's good for business. Like, I want them to be good just for different reasons than you want them to be. I mean, what's better for you? If the Cardinals are eighty-one and eighty-one, or if they're playing in the World Series every year, oh yeah, it's it's the it's the latter. You know, good teams are more fun to cover. More people care. That's much better for you. But it's not the emotion. There is an emotional detachment when you cover it. That if you don't detach emo- like if I'm if I'm leaving the stadium after that Kentucky game, just pissed off. Like I'm going to write a story that sounds like a. a a message board post (laughs) and it's going to be unprofessional and terrible 
And it's not because I'm scared Barry Odom will get mad at me. Like, I, I mean, I wrote after that game, this is the kind of loss that gets coaches fired. So I'm not backing down from anybody, but there's just a way you go about it where you take the emotion out. Yeah, and the thing, I guess maybe we're – I definitely am still a fan, but I don't cover teams like you have to cover Missouri right. football and basketball, you know? But at the same time, I remember when I first started at KMOV, so you're talking 2000, 2001, and Doug Vaughn, who I've now worked with in either radio or television for almost, you know, 18 of uh, the last uh, 20 years um, – I remember I was all upset about a Cardinal like April loss to the Astros. And he goes, yeah, that, he goes, I, I go, you're not upset. And he goes, no, he goes, I mean, you know, right. I think at the time he was in his forties, he goes, I'm in my forties. I have three kids. He goes, it just, as you grow up, it just kind of, it becomes, you know, it, you compartmentalize it a little bit differently and, and, and better, but don't get me wrong. I mean, when like the Cardinals, 2011, the comeback and all of that, I'm sure you with the 2014 wild card game and the winning the world series in 2015 and all of those things. And I, whatever would happen with the chiefs this year, if they were able to win, uh, that, that, you know, you get the high out of it, but yes, it doesn't wreck you. I remember the Cardinals lost to the giants in the 2002 NLCS. I remember turning to my girlfriend at the time. It's like one in the morning and I go, I can't sleep. I'm so upset. And she just, and I could just tell like, Whatever, whatever, whatever the one word is for turned on, she was a complete opposite of that no. at the moment. Yes. <laughs> Here's yes. a 20, 25 year old man who can't sleep because another 25 year old man didn't win a baseball game. You know, the last sporting event that I allowed to wreck my day was Tyus Edney. I was a freshman in college. Mm. Gangster I, Pete I hates you mentioning all these horrible moments in Missouri history. He's like, he's like yeah, taking I mean, shots to the gut. Have I been. Uh, upset for more than a few minutes about his uh, 1997 I mean, Nebraska. I was working. I was on the sidelines. Well, you're on the side. Where were you? Uh, I, back of the North end zone, uh, holding the, uh, holding the camera deck for smoking Joe Pelt. <laughs> glamorous, so, uh, glamorous life. Yeah, But you know, like, I mean, the most crushing sporting event I've experienced in the last 20 years was when my kid lost in the state quarterfinals his senior year. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it just, it, it, it just takes on like, don't give me and And I would say like, I'm glad there are people that are as passionate as they are because it's why I have a job. It's why you have a job. But I, I thought I was a sports fan until I took this job and I'm like, ever been a sports fan on that level. Right. Hope you're enjoying my conversation here with Gabe DeArmond, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. The end of the year, it is here. This is the time to get everything organized. This could especially be a week where you might have the time, where uh, even if you are working, it's it's kind of a laid back time, you know, and in the sense that uh, a lot of people aren't working. Take advantage of it. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year. I absolutely love it. You got you got college football bowls on, and I don't know who's playing. And I don't really care, but I'm probably going to bet the over. Uh, enjoy it, but also take advantage of the time, in particular during the day if you can, uh, and get yourself organized. And you can do that with Mark Hannum of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. He's online at evergreenstl.com. His number is 314-889-0503. Uh, outside of... Uh, being just completely uh, lacking self-awareness in, in my time in Columbia, Missouri, uh, that we're referencing here with Gabe DeArmond in the podcast. Uh, I also had no uh, self-awareness when it came to managing my finances. And so uh, 
I, I, Mark Hanna, and when I when I talk about him, I speak so passionately about him because it, it resonates with me every time I think about it, like how different things could have been if I would have been with somebody like Mark Hanna uh, because he, they just get you organized, and then they can put you on the right path to get where you want. And sometimes it's as simple as going, okay, I'm going to set aside X amount of dollars out of my paycheck. It's not even that much. It's, I'm certainly not going to feel it, and I'm going to be able to do things that otherwise I wouldn't be able to do. Uh, down the road and then you can be in a position to really help yourself and then help your family and it's just so important and I don't know I don't know there's one thing that I'm going to make sure that I uh, do with my son if I'm lucky enough to be in a position to be around when I can coach him up and that would be you got to manage your money way more smartly than your father did because I didn't pay any attention to it uh, and then somebody like Mark Hanna from uh, Evergreen Wealth Strategies sets you right and go, oh, wow, this isn't that tough. And oh my God, now I realize how irresponsible I was. That's what you can do for you. 314-889-0503. 314-889-0503. Or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Back to Gabe DeArmond. So you, you mentioned, and that's okay. you mentioned uh, being at the north end zone of the, uh, of the Missouri-Nebraska game. We were both at KOMU at the time. You were way more involved than I was. So uh, for people who are not aware, uh, although I'm sure I, I got a degree, uh, that, that's also a major difference. That that's a major, that's a major, I actually received, this is no bullshit. I had a, I had, well, it was, it was kind it was kind of scary though. Uh, I'm sure you get hate mail, uh, probably more than I get actually. Um, but uh I got hate mail yesterday, and somebody actually pulled out the, why don't you go back to Mizzou and get your final eight hours? And I'm like, wow, we're still, it's been why 20. Why you at this been, point? Well, because I'm, things are okay. I mean, what the hell is it going to do? Really? You know, I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, like, yeah. it's like not, it's not even on my radar. <laughs> pay Missouri some ridiculous amount of money, and I have a kid in college. I know what it costs. Like, what would you get out of it? I have no, like, it's like, it's like an insult. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Things are, things are okay. Things wound up being okay, despite the fact. And the reason I didn't get it is because I knew that everything in our major was going to be dictated by, at the time, our tapes. Uh, because we used yeah. to have send out VHS reels, so I knew my grades didn't matter. Now it's it's really a well, I don't know if it's a shit. To me, it's pragmatic. You go to college to get a job, not to get a degree. And like, and so that was if, I mean, if Sports Illustrated had come to me after my sophomore year at Mizzou and said, "We will pay you eighty thousand dollars to come write for us," I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> so Never it, going back. So I had an opportunity in Monterey, California, and an opportunity in Little Rock. I recall, if I'm not mistaken, I could have been your weekend guy in South Dakota. Uh, when you first took that in December of 98. Oh, I'd have absolutely hired you. I don't remember <laughs> if we had those conversations. I, it, 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 you were, like, so embarrassed by what it was paying. And, and we were both, I'm sure, broke at the time. So for you to be yeah. embarrassed by what it was paying as a broke person to another broke person says just how much it was paying. But if memory serves, it was 12. But you could have lived in western South Dakota. I could have. I didn't realize it was western. I always thought it was eastern. So I, I learned something. No, I was, like, 40 minutes from Wyoming. Huh? Good stuff. I had no idea. So so I have these opportunities, and everybody's like, you got to go. And I remember Brian Nooner, who you made reference to, was the sports director at KOMU, said, we all kind of laugh about you because we think you're going to be able to do okay in this, but you only want to work in St. Louis, and so you're going to keep turning stuff down until you get a job in St. Louis. I go, I know I can't go from KOMU to uh, St. Louis. At least I didn't think that was possible. I guess maybe it is possible yeah. in 2018. It is now. It yeah, wasn't then. It, it wasn't then. But um, that's all. That's all that I wanted to do. And so my first sports cast at KOMU, so my first sports cast ever, 
was the day Missouri beat the shit out of KU. Devin West ran for like 700 yards. It was September of 1998. Yep. Is that what it was? <laughs> September of 1998. Yeah. And the Colonel, you were my producer that day. Yes, I, I remember this well. <laughs> now, what do you, now, what do you remember? Because I don't want to set the stage because maybe you remember some things that I don't remember. Well, the, the one thing I remember, and this is getting a little inside baseball about TV, but what we do is we write introductions to our stories that appear on the teleprompter, right? Well, the thing about TV news, and it's the worst part of TV news, is that for the intro to the sportscast, it has to be like 20 seconds of witty banter between the news person <laughs> and the sports person. And so for the witty banter, the news person legitimately read your intro off the teleprompter. <laughs> and then it comes to you, and having no clue what to do, you just read it again. You just said, well, I don't know. This is my intro. This is what I'm going This is with. my intro, lady. You will not have my intro. This is mine. It was phenomenal. I've been working on this for 20 years, and you're not going to take it from me today. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember that. That's the the KOMU weekend newscast, and I don't. Are they still doing them? Where the students do the newscasts? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to watch. <laughs> them, yeah. I if I lived in Columbia, assuming it's what it was in the late 1990s, I had friends, and, and they'd be proud of it. I could probably name them. Who would sit around on Saturday afternoons? They'd get high, and then they would watch the KOMU weekend newscasts. Oh, when when Alan Robinson and I were not working on the same day, we would call each other and do drinking games to the KOMU news. <laughs> it was like the... every time there was blue video, you drank. <laughs> that's right, every... blue video. God, yeah, I haven't I heard mean, that term absolutely. in years. If Doppler Dave appeared on the screen. You just well, that's the reason to have a scotch. Twelve shots. <laughs> so, I what I remember about it was. Not only did Mizzou beat the hell out of KU, you were the producer. I remember the colonel being the colonel, something along the lines of, and I don't know what I said. I, You said we have to run U.S. Open women's tennis highlights, and I just vehemently disagreed, but we still did it. And I made some crass open intro about it, and then I said, the ball goes back, the ball goes forth, the ball goes back, and, and then, you know, whoever won, you know. And I said something along the lines, because of what Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa have been doing, most people have not been paying any attention to uh, to what's going on at the Women's U.S. Open. Unfortunately, we still have some time, so here are the highlights. I mean, just a complete, right. total dick, total lack of self-awareness. I called the Kansas Jayhawk a fruity little bird, which would be enough to end your career on the spot in 2018. I said yeah. it on the news like it was no problem, you know. I mean, if I had tweeted that out, I'd be pulled and I wouldn't be able to do the Oscars this year. So I get off the air and do you remember this? Tom Gray, who was the general manager of the rate of the I didn't know it happened at the time. You've since told me the <laughs> yeah. story. Yeah. Tom Gray, who's the general manager of the television station, is is on hold for me when I get back to the sports office. And he goes, Hey Tim, Tom Gray, I run the station. I just want to let you know. We don't do that kind of crap here. <laughs> and I go, okay, thank you. And I'm just like, how great is this? Now I can tell everybody that the GM says I'm too much of a badass to be on KOMU. That's the way I took it. I wasn't scared. I'm like, how great is this? What a fucking asshole I was then, and nothing's changed 20 years since. Here's what I've always liked about your career. Like, I tell people all the time, no, Tim on the radio, like, that's the guy I knew when he was like, <laughs> You yeah. haven't changed. 
you made a whole career out of doing exactly what you wanted to do when you were 19 years old at KOMU, and we were going and doing shots at Quinn. <laughs> which, which in one way sounds great if when you're 19 you do it, but when you're 42 and you're like, yeah, I haven't changed, then you go, God, something is not right. But I the, mean, everybody defines progress a little bit differently. <laughs> I, I legitimately, my, my fa- somebody, uh, this is another email I got over the weekend. Somebody said, hey, I know I, th- th- this might sound weird, but me and my buddies used to make sure that we watched your sports casts and before we would go out. And I just assumed that they were Mizzou guys who were there when we were there because to me, that's when the sport, that when I did sports casts there, that's when I had the most fun in my career as far as television goes because, you know, it was, it was in my mind, it was a free-for-all, and I loved it. And when shit would go wrong, that's when I would, like, start pissing myself on the set. It would be, to me, it would be hilarious. And, and all you can do is make fun of it. Not, you're not making fun of people. You're making, what are you going to do? It's a student-run station. Things right. are going to happen. You're the one that looks like an asshole. Exactly. So you just roll with it and whatever. And I guess, if anything, when I would when I would be in the mix for some jobs on my tape, I would include that in the, in the people hiring liked the fact that I didn't, like, go deer in the headlights. But then I get to St. Louis, and I made reference, like, I did something similar that I did in Columbia. And, you know, there's two channels on the audio for the, the tape that the, the station saves, one for the director and then one that the audience hears. And then somebody goes, you got to hear this. And I go, what? And I go, we're listening to the director. And he was playing back one of my sports casts. And I, I made some, you know, reference to making fun of something that was going wrong. And he goes, what did he just say? Well, fuck him. And I'm just like, ah, I guess I can't do this anymore. I guess I can't, you know. So I was, I was, I was, I'm like, I'm just, I'll just have fun with it. Something went wrong. It's not a big deal. And oh man, they take it per. So for what I used to do at KOMU, where there would be people waiting to scream at me when I would get off the set versus coming yeah. to St. Louis, where I'm just kind of like, I guess I'll just intro the Cardinal game with some statistics and then ad-lib over the highlights, and now I got 30 or, seconds left. I mean, left. that's boring as hell. Exactly, which is why it bored me. So I was making a living. It wasn't like some ridiculously great living, but it was nice when you pair it with radio. And I'm just like, this bores me. I got to get out of it. And so it was like a no-brainer. I've never once looked back and go, God, should I have left KMOV? And I'm sure I would have gotten laid off a couple years later anyway. So I never think right. twice about it, you know? So my, my greatest KOMU experience was producing Friday Night Football one night, which was a shit show of its own. I love that Friday Night you Football. Um, we would go to like 12 different games and end up with highlights of like maybe five because something had gone wrong on seven of them. And we would have no final scores. And it would be <laughs> awful. And then... Nooner would get mad, and the next week we were only allowed to cover four games. We responsible <laughs> enough to cover twelve, whatever. But so it, it, I, I think the rivalry between TV sports people and TV weather people is like an unknown thing. Oh yeah, but yeah, every, that is true. Every person who's ever done weather on the television news thinks that people are turning on the news only to see this, right? <laughs> because why wouldn't you turn on the news? to have somebody tell you what it's like if you step outside your back door and then probably to be wrong about what it's going to be like when you step out your door tomorrow (laughs) would be like watching the sport to say, well, if you just change the channel, you can watch this game. And Oh, by the way, tomorrow, here's who's going to win this game, even though we have no clue. So anyway, whether people think highly (laughs) moral of this story. So we go into Friday night football and some poor girl is producing her first newscast ever and the weather guy has gone like three minutes long and so we have to be off the air at 10 35 for jay leno or whatever and she is panicked in my ear we're three and a half minutes over blah blah i said i don't know what to tell you 
<laughs> Friday night football. We worked all night for this. Guess you better find your fucking three and a half minutes somewhere. <laughs> oh, and I just did my regular show. <laughs> and so what, Jay Leno started late in Columbia that night? Either that or it just, I got cut off in the middle of Boonville Centralia highlights. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what does it matter? Oh, I got it. It was a fun, it was truly was for real. And don't get me wrong to get, to get up and play slap and tickle on the radio and do this show for almost 15 years now is, you know, I mean, that's probably why I haven't grown up because I haven't had to, but, uh, with the time at KOMU, that was I, for real in my career, I guess I don't even count as a career because you're still kind of a student, but that was the absolute best. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's the funnest I've had, for sure, in television. I thought it was so important than what we were doing, and it really was not. Yeah, well, see, I guess maybe the reason why I enjoyed it is because I realized it wasn't important. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, I I still remember my first day at J school. I I go into my first journalism class, and, like, you know, you have to, like, talk about who you are and all this shit. This is your junior year at Mizzou and all that. And I'm like, yeah, you know, from here, and my dad writes for the Kansas City Star, and all this and then we're going around the room and there are these people that are like yeah i was born in 1976 i got my first internship at a radio station that fall um you know i've won seven pulitzers and i just want to serve america by being a journalist and i'm like whoa i think i remember that i'm glad that you brought this up that that is first off i think me you and entertainment tonight's nichelle turner we're the only three people from the state of Missouri in the in the 50 in the broadcast sequence and what would have been for me the class of 1998 and what actually for you was the class of 1998. Uh, everybody was from around the country. There were a number of people Michelle from— Michelle Turner's doing big things now. That's way. what I'm saying. She's on Entertainment Tonight. Yeah. Right? Isn't she? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I just discovered that a few months ago. <laughs> She's been on there for years. I'm glad well, I had a big yeah, reveal I, for I, you here today. You'll be shocked to know, Tim, <laughs> entertainment tonight is not on my night. <laughs> she was on, she was, she's been all over the place. And I'm like, you know, you can usually tell when you're there, like within 10 seconds, who's got it. And then you certainly can tell who doesn't yeah. and who will, you know, become a producer within, you know, the next week. Um, and and so I, I I don't recall. I remember she was super cool. Used to sit next to her. Uh, but mm-hmm. the fact that she's on entertainment tonight, God bless her. But but the thing that I remember, and I don't know why I got away with it, but I just didn't show up for my news shifts. And somehow they never they never really said anything. If I would have known I could do that, I, I used to lose sleep over my news shifts because I hated news so much. Right. And I just decided like, to not I do them. watch the news. I don't care. We would cover, I remember, we would cover city council meetings. And, and then on top of it, we would have to shoot video. And I was anti-doing the news shift. And I certainly was way too big at 21 years old to be shooting my own video. My God. Right. And so... And I remember, and it's like, you can't have a jump cut, which is when video changes, and it looks weird for those, of course, who have no idea. I did not know what that even meant for my first six months in. I I didn't understand what the hell they were talking about. I just would shoot shoot random things to provide a buffer. And I remember Brian Nooner, our teacher, goes, that's a nice salt shaker cutaway. And I would just shoot random objects that would be, (laughs) that would, you know, have me at a city council meeting. And I'd be like, I got to get something so I don't have a jump cut, so there's a salt shaker. I mean, it couldn't have been less commitment whatsoever. And somehow they let yeah. me do it. And I have no idea how or why, but I'm glad they did. Otherwise, well, I don't know. Maybe I would have wound up in law school mm-hmm. or with a legitimate career. I have no idea. But I was able mm-hmm. to just kind of pop up and do sports stuff, even though the job was wow. the, the requirements were to do new stuff. Yeah, my, my first day, Greeley Kyle said in our class, 
if you're here to do sports, you're in the wrong place. That was and Don I Ranley. Know. I remember that exact speech. I remember. He looked like yeah, Santa Claus. Is, I, I have since, uh, our friend Kent Collins, who is retired from the J school for like the fourth time, I think, um, He, uh, I had lunch with him last year, and I told him that story, and he said, well, they never should have said that. Oh, that, that 100 well, I don't know what to tell you because they said it. That, absolutely. So it was J200. I, I remember that. I my news classes with C's. And then the second we got into doing sports, all of a sudden people were like, hey, this guy's not a total fuck-up. <laughs> like, he might know what he's doing. And I'm like, yeah, because I give a shit. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the conversation with Colonel Gabriel P. DeArmond of PowerMizzou.com here on the Tim McKernan Show. Our show is sponsored by some really, really good people, um, which is a good thing because it would be really weird if I'm like, oh, I'm doing spots for people I don't particularly think too high of, but that's my choice. I either do the spots or we don't have a podcast. And when the case uh, comes to James Carlton, well, not only was James Carlton just an advertiser, now James Carlton is my agent. I made the switch to James Carlton, and I felt like I had to. I felt like I needed to take care of my family the best way I can, and I felt like the insurance agency that I was with beforehand was just not up to the caliber of James. And it's not necessarily a shot so much at the, the previous one. It's more of a compliment to James because he sets himself apart, but it's not a he, it's a they. He has a team of seven people at his office, and they're all in St. Louis. It's not like you're calling some long-distance number. And so anytime I needed something, uh, I, they, I, got, I heard back right away, and then they took care of it right away. Uh, James was in studio, and the reason he was in studio is because we're having issues with one thing that I was setting up for my car to get a discount, which he made me aware of, of course, because I wouldn't have known anything about it. And he comes up to the studio, because here, I'll set it up for you. And I'm like, you don't need to do that just because I'm incompetent. And then it's like, it's like a minute and a half later, and it's done. And then it would have taken me, you know, three hours on a 1-800 number. It's just, it's those kinds of things. And I guess some people would say it's old school, but it's how you build a business. And that's why... When James was in here, I said, I draw some comparisons between you and Ryan Kelly. Now, as James acknowledges, Ryan's, Ryan's energy is, is as good as it gets. But as far as recognizing the importance of customer service and properly marketing your business to convey to an audience what you do that separates you, that's James Carlton. And he is doing some really good things. So every insurance agent is not alike. And that's so important. Cause honestly, up until a few months ago, I'm just like, yeah, you know, James, good guy and everything. Um, but you know, what's going to separate him from everybody else? Well, he can save you money. Okay. Well, he can do that, but what's really going to separate him from my stance is his team and their customer service. And the fact that you are not going to get in a spot where something terrible happens and you have to call the insurance company and you find out you're not insured for what you thought you were insured for. Woo. I mean, not only you get the, uh, the kick of something horrible happening, but now then you get the the kick of going, oh, I thought that was covered and we're not covered. And now there's nothing we can do about it. Make sure that you are insured. Make sure you're insured with somebody really, really good. For my money, the best. 314-961-4800 is James Carlton's number. Or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. My first thing was a live shot with the Harlem Globetrotters and... And I guess it went well, but I just made an ass of myself. I mean, first off, you might be surprised to hear those who play for the Globetrotters and myself, there's a height discrepancy. So automatically, it looks like some kind of circus act. And then we're over at the Hearn Center, and then I just start doing tricks. And then I come back, and I remember everybody kind of looking at me differently. Like, the guy who doesn't show up for his shifts, he can actually, like, 
kind of do this thing. And then at that point, yeah. I guess Stacey Wolfel, who is the news director, has kind of let let me do whatever, which is which is really not the way the world works, which might be why I'm still having this arrested development at 42, because I've been able to do my own thing. But in hindsight, I'll say it again, what a fucking dick. I mean, what a fucking dick. Just unbelievable. This like, lack of self-awareness that I had then, I still have now. And it's appalling to hold up the mirror. It's appalling to hold up the mirror. But that's what happened. Yeah, yeah that's all right. You found <laughs> what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Host, know, a, I mean, host a hackneyed yeah, radio I, show. I, guess I probably could have made a career out of covering the Columbia City Council. I also may have killed myself <laughs> yeah. 10 years ago, but... You know, I, I mean, like news is just boring. I don't care. I, I, I see. I, and the funny thing is now I'm much more interested actually in news than I am much more, but I'm more interested in it. And I'm in the podcast. Actually, like I said, I've had Jay Nixon in here and I've had Jack Danforth in here and Jim Talent in here. And, you know, it actually, but back then that's not where I was. And I was just like, oh, I'm well, going to call games for the Cardinals. That's what I'm going were, to do. They always thought they were so important. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really pay attention to your stuff. <laughs> Well, whatever we were doing then, I guess it's wound up working out. You are the publisher of PowerMizzou.com, and you have a good thing going. I just host a slap and tickle show, but uh, I enjoy slapping and I enjoy tickling, so it's wonderful. Uh, Colonel, I'm glad we got a chance to catch up. I, and and I, do, I did keep you about an hour and 45 minutes, I think. Hour and 30 minutes, ballpark in there. Not, not bad. I, what is the over-under the amount of time into this, the majority of the audience has turned it off. Twelve minutes. See, here's the thing. I think people pick who they listen to, and I think if you're going into this, you're a Missouri fan, and so you're actually, I could be wrong, interested to hear what at least one of us thinks. I would say that would be you. And then maybe people stuck around for the KOMU stories and hope there'd be a big reveal about like I said, there was a request on the fan page for a Linda Loveland story. She was the female anchor, yeah. I think, when we were freshmen, if I'm not mistaken. It was Joan Early by the time we were, uh, by the time we were, uh, I guess, seniors or whatever. You, you, well, you had graduated. I was still, yeah. you know, taking three hours because I was really committed. And so, uh, you know, we, we have to, first off, I can say with confidence that both Gabe and I uh, never had any off-the-air relationship with Linda Loveland or Joan Early. I say that with a great Accurate. deal of confidence. <laughs> I didn't even need to ask you. And so either way, although I do have a wonderful friendship with Jim Reek, and I think Doppler Dave might be the most interesting man in the world. So that, that's where my official he, anchor he desk is. He has always been my favorite person until Patrick Mahomes came along. And now, now he's second oh. to Patrick Mahomes. Double D is probably second. I feel like we probably could have boosted listenership. We just didn't drop quite enough names. There weren't enough... <laughs> Steve Herbert or J.D. Proust or Yante Jackson references in this podcast. Uh, you, left out, uh, you left out Paul Tan. But other than that, we would have covered J. Mills. We would have covered uh, it. The, the true test of how many people actually listen to the end is how many emails I'm going to get uh, <laughs> that are saying they are very disappointed in me for saying fuck at least 10 times. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, once you come into my little sewer, though, they understand what's going to happen. You'll get some you'll get some septic grease on you, and then you move on and, and do your classy things that you have to do on Power Mizzou. And I understand that, and I respect it, and I hope this appearance does not destroy your career, career sir. I, I mean, I've probably done worse things, but real quick, I'm going to extend this because I, I was very conscious before I answered this call. I'm like, okay, now you got to remember, you're not just talking to Tim. Like, this is eventually going to go out <laughs> I've always been struck by what you guys do, and Gary Pinkle was my favorite guy at this. I think sometimes people get on the radio and just think they're just talking to someone on the phone. 
Well, what and else they are they forget, doing? They say things on radio shows that they would never say to me with the tape recorder in front of them because they forget anybody's listening. I've had here's here's my tell. I haven't really. I don't know. Maybe that's happened on the radio to an extent, but it's definitely happened on the podcast. And I'll tell you how I know when when I when I don't want to say when I've got somebody because it makes it sound like I'm out because it's not what's going on. If anything, people are mad that I don't go after some people. Uh, but because I view it as a conversation, if you're having a conversation with somebody, you don't jump their ass. So it, what winds up happening is about 10 or 15 minutes in, somebody will say the word fuck or shit, or they'll go, oh, can I curse on here? And at that point, I know they're comfortable because if they're comfortable, most people, you know, use four letter words. And I so, think I asked that maybe before we even started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you knew that this was going to be a free for all. This is yeah. this is a triple X podcast. So. You can go as you can go as far as you want on that. I don't know if we've had it on the radio. What we would have with Pinkle is he would hang well, up on us. I distinctly remember during conference realignment after Missouri had gone to the SEC or during the process of Missouri going to the SEC. It wasn't even official, but you had Pinkle on, and whatever radio show you were doing at that time would have been like 2011. It's the same damn one, um, man. It's been on since 2004. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I, I, I follow you closely. Um, <laughs> So anyway, Pinkle is, I mean, he starts talking about Texas and he is just railroading Texas. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, he would never say this to us. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't know if he knows people are listening. <laughs> and the weird thing is, is that actually, even though he was on the radio because it was our show, nobody was listening. So coincidentally, <laughs> it was accurate. He just didn't realize it was a radio show. I was listening. You were, well, you were on that one. There was one time, the week in between... Uh, the week going into the Kansas game in 2007, and it was only me because Doug and the, we recorded it after the show, and Doug and the cat had to go, and so it was just me and Pinkle. And as you can imagine, I mean, if you're a Missouri fan, that will, either that week or the week after had to be one of the greatest weeks of your life. And and I thought, and Pinkle was always those interviews. I would dread them. Like we got Gary Pinkle at 9:15. I'm like, oh shit, this is going to be brutal. You know. Meanwhile, right. I did you know this two-hour interview with him in his home last year. And he was great, but you, you, you get short answers. If you just stepped, it was like walking on eggshells constantly. Plus you're doing it in front of the audience. And then he, we always knew he was going to hang up on us at the end. I mean, it was a guarantee. And I'm like, God, he's going to be so tight. He's playing Kansas. Everything's on the line. And he couldn't have, he was like over the moon. He was so happy that interview. And I, and, and to me, it just like, he goes, ah, I'm good. He goes, all my coordinators have done anything. We're ready to go. He goes, what do you want to talk about? Like, oh, my God, I, I wish I could find that interview, actually. People wouldn't believe how loose he was. And so then I get him one-on-one -on -one. again. Doug and the cat had to leave in no, uh, the following week, leading into the Oklahoma game. And I thought he would have been even happier. And I thought we were going to have a repeat of the previous interview. And he was, like, short and crass and not in a good mood. And I'm like, what in the hell happened? Now, if you want to, if you were to really, like, go metagames on this, you'd go, oh, well, they were loose for Kansas and they won. They were tight for Oklahoma, and they didn't play their game, and they lost. I have no idea. I just know that that happened. Yeah, he was uh, he was a different guy on the radio a lot of times. Yes, but uh, I, I do you see him at all? Uh, very rarely. Yeah. Every now and then I see him around town, but you know, not not too much. Well, at the Alabama game, I think. Oh, he was down in Tuscaloosa. He was really. He was unhappy about the uniforms. Nice. We got a uniform like reference in there. <laughs> we got a, we got a uniforms. Notice I didn't bring up the uniforms. You brought up the yeah. uniforms. I didn't have Doug here though to bring it up. Uh, yeah, Doug is 
Doug turned this off so long. <laughs> Doug never turned it on. Trust me on that. Careful. All right, Colonel, I've kept you long enough. I've enjoyed the hell out of it. Thank you so much, sir. All right, man. We'll talk to you down the road. All right, brother. Right, take on your way back to Columbia. <laughs> take it easy, man. So there it is, my conversation, part two, the remix, with Gabe DeArmond here on the Tim McKernan Show. I hope you enjoyed it. I don't know. It's kind of like it's kind of like my vibe on the Young Page Views. It's like I really enjoyed that, but I don't know if the audience will really enjoy it because uh, it's kind of, well, first off, the first part was Missouri Athletic specific, and I recognize that unlike in St. Louis talking about the Cardinals or Blues, uh, some people aren't Missouri fans whether they live in the, the Illinois side or they didn't go to school here or they find Missouri fans to be obnoxious, they're not Missouri fans. So fine. Part two, if you're living in the St. Louis area or the Kansas City area, focuses on whatever that thing's about, the uh, rivalry and uh, the the what might be the inception. And then also uh, the Colonel and I in our time at the University of Missouri Journalism School. And I suppose there are some other stories there, but they're not for air. They never will be for air. Uh, but they're... Uh, they certainly, you know, are part of the reason why it was one of the funnest times of my life. But uh, I just loved that time, man. I just loved that time. I, lo- I, I When I think about it, I guess part of it is, yeah, you're going out, and you, and I think back on it now, and it's like, wow, how do you do that stuff? But I guess you can just be in drinking shape, so to speak. Like if I wanted to get back in drinking shape, I guess I could get there. Now I'm just in a spot, you know, the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. It's not even a, It's not even a sweat. It's like, yeah, I mean, I can go get lit up tonight, but like how bad I'm going to feel tomorrow and even the next day is in play, it's not even something that is remotely tempting to me. Um, in addition to the chance that I'll get home at, you know, three or four and, uh, and you know, oh yeah, now there's a, there's a one-year-old next, next, uh, in the next bedroom. So, uh, that that that's changed, but to think that I was going out six out of seven nights a week, it was at Quentin's almost every night. Uh, the two guys I lived with worked there, and it was just it was a different different operation, as I would imagine anybody who is now in their early forties is looking back on their time in college, wherever they went, and go, yeah, I can't believe we did that. Um, and then the time at KOMU was so much fun, but I knew this even like three years after I left there, or not even three years after, I felt like I could do and say things at KOMU that I, when I got to St. Louis, certainly when I was in Little Rock, but when I got to St. Louis, that I was kind of hoping and looking forward to doing, and then it was kind of like, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that, or you know, you probably shouldn't say that, and I'm like, oh, it used to be fun when I could say that stuff. And so it's probably the reason why I got away from television because it was just so antiseptic. It like hindered creativity. And then I'm like, I just, I think I, I don't even know. I think I just filled in on the radio uh, in 2002. And I'm like, man, I can breathe. I don't have to like hustle in a two minute sports cast, you know, with like no writing, just ad living over highlights, it's, you know, mindless. So to be able to kind of like think and think while on the air and bullshit with people and joke with people and get instant feedback from the audience, whether it be now, text back then, phone calls, emails, now social media, you know, I love that. And I loved that time in my career. Granted, I'm 22 um, and I'm working with a bunch of other, for the most part, people in their early 20s. Some people, I guess, were in their late 20s as graduate students, but... Um, that was a great time. And the Colonel was there 
for it. And the colonel's person at the colonel says, I haven't changed. Now I would say I have absolutely changed because when I listen to me on the radio and this is seven years after I was working at KOMU and I hear myself and I, I, I get nauseous, uh, just grossed out. And I'm not talking about necessarily the content. I'm talking about like how I sounded and just like it, it truly sound. I'm sure some people are listening and go, wow, that guy's really on a lot of cocaine. Uh, and I just haven't done cocaine in my life. I don't know what the hell I was going. I don't know what was going on. Um, but it was, oof. uh, so I, I know, I feel like I have changed. The Colonel says I haven't changed. Um, I, the Colonel has not changed. The Colonel has not changed. The Colonel still just is kind of like, yeah, you know, fuck, fuck them. Fuck you. Fuck whoever, you know, fuck Cardinal fans. Fuck this, you know, fucking Kate Kansas. Fuck them. I'm like, ah. God bless the Colonel. That's the same guy I knew when we started journalism school together in 1996. And I love that. It's like a little, the Colonel is my time capsule. I need, you know what? I need to write him a card and tell him he's my time capsule. And then he'll go, fuck you, but it'll be great. And so I enjoyed catching up with the Colonel. That was kind of an obvious one. I'm kind of disappointed in myself that it took me this long to get around to talking with the Colonels because I enjoyed catching up with them. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, I'm a big Colonel fan. I tip my cap to him for not only what he has uh, helped build with PowerMizzou.com, uh, but for somehow not losing his mind on Saturday afternoons uh, during or after Missouri losses um, because his mentions are incredible on Twitter. So uh, God bless the Colonel. Enjoyed the conversation with him. As always, enjoy talking it over with you, the audience. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Thank you to James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Thank you to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Thank you to Mike Judy of Mike Judy Presents, online at MikeJudyPresents.com. And thank you to Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, online at Landoff.com and the Highway 270 Washington Elizabeth Exit. Please subscribe. Please spread the word. We got a good thing going here with this little podcast. So... We will look forward to bringing you more interviews, more questions from the audience, and more pick six throughout the year on the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.